You are the shine in the sun. You are the super in the fragilistic expialidocious. You are the man in the six million dollars. You are the bone in the ur. <laughs> and you are the listening in the episode seven of the Thought Bubbles podcast. I'm Chris Carneal. And I'm Gary Amarati. And today we are discussing as objectively, subjectively, absurdly, and seriously as we will can and may the topic of belief. So let's get started. Blowing bubbles out of the window, chewing bubble gum and blowing big bubbles. Getting, getting rid of it, all of my troubles. Watching the temples, glubber, glubber, and the bottle. Gary, uh, I was thinking about how current technology would look like magic to someone 50 years ago. So, so you know, something like that, like a tribe. Yeah. And I was also thinking that if you think up something, it's reasonable to expect it will come into existence within your lifetime at this point. Oh, yeah. And wow. I was also thinking, and this is what one does when you're unemployed, as I've recently found myself. Oh, yes, I know. Some people actually think really dark thoughts. Um, but I was thinking about, if I were at the end of my life, how cool it would be to be handed a photo album, and every photo that you were ever accidentally in is in that photo album. So you're Ooh. in the background of some tourist. So you just have this incredible lifespan of yourself in accident. Right. And then I was thinking, much like technology seems like magic to, to people, they say, 50 years ago, the, the idea that that book could come into existence seems impossible. Given our technology right now, it just seems like no matter how advanced we got in technology, I will never have a book handed to me. Where I am in every single picture that has ever been taken me of me accidentally by people and families around the world traveling yeah. around. Uh, I don't believe <laughs> such a book could exist. But if I held the belief that it could exist, would it alter the possibility of it being invented? That's a good one. I believe when someone conceptualizes something, it gains prominence in the collective unconscious. And the notion to manifest that idea is sparked in hundreds of other capable people. So that perhaps maybe one day someone will find photo or facial recognition software that is hooked up to some huge version of the web that somehow disparately mm. connects all of the people who have names associated with faces. And that one day you could go to Google, type your name in, and it will have scanned all these family photos in mm. everyone's iPhotos library or Google Drive. Mm. And you mm. could, in fact, find a collection, a slideshow of yourself in photos that you were unintentionally in. And that's what I did instead of masturbate today. Nice. That's good. That's good. If you have any thoughts, um, I'm open to them. But we could jump Oof. right into our news bubble. I um, I have some thoughts. Okay. Uh, first thought is this. Are you trying to write a, an episode for Black Mirror? Because that first one sounded kind of like that. I, I get where you're coming from yeah. thematically. And perhaps we should write this as, as a dystopian thing. Hmm. All right. And Co then copyright thought, thought Bubbles Podcast 2018, Gary Amarati and Chris Carneal. Excellent. Registered trademark rectum. <laughs> Rect rectum is registered copyright oh. trademark. Oh, if you say it quickly, rectum. it's like rectum. Rectum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like it. I like my rectum too. Well, your rectum is protected legally now, and all of the ideas emanating from your rectum, more, most Ooh. importantly. Yeah. yeah. There are a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I hear them. I hear them. Can't quite decipher what they are. Some of them, yeah. Yeah, but they're you know they have their own language. It's true. Yeah, but you know uh, when you're unemployed, you have time to try and figure out that language. <laughs> <laughs> and you have time to invent rectal languages. Rectal mm. languages. We're just coming up with a lot of really potent, useless uh, inf <laughs> ideas. 
<laughs> we both be, should be more unemployed more often. Yeah. That was the other thing uh, is about unemployed is you had all this time to write all this stuff down and have these thoughts. And I was like, oh, maybe that's how I became a nonlinear thinker because I've been unemployed for a while now. Oh. But you've known me before my unemployedness, so I still had the nonlinear going on. Yeah, but I didn't know you quite as deeply. Mm. Where I don't think we, I mean, we had conversations <clears throat> that ultimately led to the idea of us doing this podcast. So clearly right. we were always communicating. But uh, yeah, there was, there's never been an absence of ideas in your yeah. brain. That's true. But let's prove that there's no absence of ideas in your brain. So here's another one. So when you were talking about belief uh, and it happening where more than one person has the same kind of belief, I don't remember where I read this. I have had conversations about it, and I did read it somewhere. <laughs> Maybe they'll make a, an app that can remember everything that I forgot. That would be cool. Or an app that takes all of the disparate ideas that you have and then makes connections for you. And then, and then all you got to do is it tells you how to execute yeah, them. Yeah, that's awesome. We could both use that. Yeah, for sure. Or if any of the listeners could do that for us. Yeah. We would be more than open to any mail. And we would totally interview them. We would. But yeah. they've had, they'd have to leave us a five-star rating to bribe us first true, on true, Apple true, true. Uh, yeah. Podcast, which I would like to right now take that, yeah. that self-promotional. Uh, oh, I can't think of basic words. Say. A opportunity. Opportunity. The opportunity is a word that never hits my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I never know when it is. Opportunity. Oximorate. <laughs> oh, that's starting to sound like your last name. So anyway. Um, Gary Oximorate. I like your idea of an of an app that logs all of your ideas. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay, so yes, are we doing news bubble or are you going to something? I'm else? still, I'm still. Okay, okay so uh, somewhere I read about this, and it's the idea was this that um, nobody actually has their own thought. Mm -hmm. So it's actually it's more like uh, radio waves or like uh, waves in the in the could be any kind of wave <laughs> in the atmosphere or in the universe, where um, things like the telephone when it came into existence and other Things that are escaping my mind right now. Well, I think even uh, Tesla and Edison almost had their own independent ideas. Right. And then, well, we won't get into the political and, uh, and oh, capitalistic yeah. exploitation of those. But we will eventually. I think what you're saying is that the ideas are all out there. Even Keith Richards says, I, don't, I, you know, I learned how to play this instrument, but the riffs are, are come to me from the, this external world. Right, exactly. And so, so when the telephone was made or figured out, there was a guy on the other side of the planet who also figured it out. Exactly, and right. And he right. was building along. So it, and then I've had these conversations enough to to know that it's actually uh, here it comes a belief out there that people believe that this is how consciousness works. I believe this. It's a good bookmark for our big topic discussion. Yes. Now I'm ready to move forward. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> the next section is the news bubble: a short burst on current events. All I want to do is actually promote something that no oh. one is paying us to promote. And I keep, I'm reminded of this every couple of weeks when uh, my wife and I check into HBO. We, we watch this show, John Oliver, I think it's called Last Week Tonight. Oh, yeah. It's about 28 minutes long. It is short form content, but he spends about 15 to 20 minutes of that show delving into a, any, a, a very specific topic and goes, I, I call it comedic journalism because he goes deep. And he, I always, learn something new about the topic he discusses. And the last topic was the details on China and the current leader of China. It's the way that I can get some news 
And I used to do this uh, with The Daily Show, but it's a way I can get news and get a little humor and get, uh, you know, it's like a safe form of an, of, a, of an assault that the world can be. Right. So anyway, my, my, my news jam is this uh, John Oliver show on HBO, which is absolutely brilliant. But that's my news bubble. John Oliver, he's a genius. And he was uh, also on The Daily Show as a correspondent, and he has fully mm. formed and developed into his own voice, and it's unique yeah. and hilarious. Yeah, I've seen him. I, we've seen that show when we were we had the HBO for a little while. And, uh, yeah, I agree. I've seen, I used to watch him every now and again on John Stewart. Is that what it was on? Yeah, with John yeah. Stewart's Daily Show. And, uh, and all those guys actually have really matured with their comedic acts. <laughs> yeah, I think even... Um, Oh no, Steve Carell. Oh yeah, has become quite a good dramatic actor. Yeah, That's I, I enjoy some Steve Carell. He makes me laugh. It was like he was mm. on a Daily Show maybe once every week doing some mm. bizarre food show thing yeah. satire. But wow, yeah, what a what a hub of genius that Did, thing was. And okay, now that we're talking about geniuses, Zach Galifianakis. I mean, come on, dude. Have you seen Between Two Ferns? Seriously, I, I just saw the one with Jerry Seinfeld. Oh my god. This is, okay, we're going to have to do this, okay? <laughs> I want to continue to talk about what we're talking about. Right. But is Another it okay? Show. No. Is it oh. okay if I just say we're cutting from the news bubble into uh, uh, media? Yeah, totally. Okay. So sure. what we're going to do to continue this conversation, this is actually an episode of a uh, uh, movie or music that's uh, resonating with you. And okay, yes, Zach Galifianakis. (laughs) Okay, Zach Galifianakis, footnote, I have seen uh, Between Two Ferns, always brilliantly executed because you're not really sure if he's, if the the person he's interviewing is in on the joke. Right. That's what's so exquisite about it. But I uh, I watched with my wife um, a a movie, a Disney movie last night Uh because we just, she was not feeling very well. It's been very hot. I've just been laid on. Disney. Uh, uh, not my proudest moment to do this, but I'm going to give some props to this. Keep in mind that both my wife and I were kind of exhausted in our own different ways. It's called A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's a book that she, as a child, had read. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about this. I know that Oprah is in it. Yeah. Okay. That's all I know about it, too. A surprise, Zach Galifianakis is in it. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) And I couldn't help but just watch him when his scene comes. And him just being like, yep. I was doing stand-up in front of 30 people at the Purple Onion and eight years ago, and now I'm in a fucking Disney movie standing next to Oprah. <laughs> that is how luck works. Yeah. He's genius. The guy deserves everything he gets. He is genius. Yeah, he's, he's utterly amazing. There, there are, and if you haven't seen the film that he's in about the, uh, the guy and I guess the guy's girlfriend, they rob him. I have seen that. Oh, my God. It's like a Brinks truck that they're filling up with money. <sighs> it's so brilliant, and it's re- it's a true story. They have the yep. guy, I guess the guy, they um, had him on set or something, you know, and I was like, first of all, that that, that actually happened is <laughs> ridiculous in itself and genius. Um, but just the acting in that, that film was so... Well, we have you and I are going to have to watch that again because yeah. it's a roadmap to our next move and uh, mm. career-wise. If oh. you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, I oh. this is uh, seemingly very random, and it is. It's not seemingly. It is actually random. Mm. I was watching Zach Galifianakis in this movie, and I saw him emote a bit, and I thought, hmm. you know, 
I'm a little confused about what acting is. It all seems I don't have the I don't have the finest opinion of actors. Mm. Uh, probably because some of the people in my life have been actors and they've been acting like they had integrity and honesty and it's kind of affected me in a negative way so I have a sour opinion of actors but I I know an actor and uh he he is not uh known for his acting he's he's known I'm going to give a, I'm just going to admit it he's known for being the uh the lead singer of the Jesus Lizard hmm. this band from the 90s that uh actually was Kurt Cobain's favorite band but he was in a movie that is on Netflix called I'm not at home something like I don't feel at home in the world anymore or I don't feel at home in the world anymore something oh, like that Oh it's the story of me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah so how much acting really of are any of us in this ilk doing if we were to be in a movie called I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore? It seems like it would be kind of a, a pretty uh, organic slot to fit in without much acting. But I have to say this. When I saw uh, Zakhalov Galifianakis emote in this way in this Wrinkle in Time movie, uh-huh. which, by the way, is a, is really a, another... It's very good because it's a it's a repeat of the theme of like the dark and light forces right. and how perception... How you can be privy to revenge and fear and and you should aim towards the light and it's all very cheesy but very effective and i needed to see it at this time in my life but anyway zach is is emoting and it reminded me i really uh i have infinite respect for this david yell guy that i've worked with Mm. and uh he's a sweetheart of a guy and he he turns out that he acts Mm. and He's in this movie. I don't feel at home in the world anymore. And there's a sec- there's a uh, a scene in this movie where, and I encourage everyone to watch this this movie on Netflix. I don't want to give too much away, but there's a scene uh, where he is st- he looks into the camera and uh, he does this perfect combination of deep sadness in the context of a very uh, oh god or he's kind of crying, but he's filled with adrenaline and also, uh, mm. and, and, and uh, uh, reg- regret, and it's like the apex of this part of the story, and it is exquisite how the camera goes in on his face, and he just says this one line, mm. and he does it with this emotion, and it was the first time in my life, as cheesy as this is, and it's maybe because... I uh, I let down all my filters because I, I I genuinely love this guy, where I was like, holy shit, that's acting, <laughs> like, oh, that's a fucking skill. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Zach Galifianakis did a, eh, a, mm. a, a an inkling of that in this movie. Yeah, and it's so weird because I think of him as just co- so absurdly brilliantly funny. Right. That to see him, and also I will say this. About David Yao in this uh, in this scene, and I don't feel at home in the world anymore. He's such a sweetheart of a of a of a guy. Uh, I can't imagine him being angry. It's bizarre that his mm. stage persona with the Jesus Lizard right. is this intense, like punk gotcha. rock hard rock guy. Mm. Uh, so it magnifies when you see someone who's a sweetheart and a gentle yeah. being act in this way. Yeah. This, by the way, Gary made me a massively powerful cup of coffee before yes, this episode and it is kicking in yep 
Yep. So I would apologize to you for ranting so much, but it's really nah. your fault. It's your fault. Yeah. I like a good rant. Okay. Would you like to now take over before I completely? Yes. Finish? So um, a couple of things or a triple of things or a quadruple of things or something like that. So acting, let's go to that for a second. Yeah. Acting is one of those things that I think for the most part, the, the most of the actors you see on television, you know, we grew up on television pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. um, majority of the actors that you see are just people like um that aren't like heavy actors i think the the first time i came into contact with like a real actor i was kind of aware of it but when i actually saw it it was it was with um robert downey jr and chaplin when um or no wait i'm sorry it was before chaplin because chaplin came after i think i could be getting this wrong uh he did this little he did this movie about a busload of like four or five people that die and inhabit his body. So, and one of, one of them is Kira Sedgwick, who has a very unique voice and a very unique way of, of expressing herself. This Robert Downey Jr. nailed every one of the um, actors that he was portraying when they inhabited his body, like eerily. And then he did Chaplin and everybody thought it was insane that he got Chaplin so well. And um, before that, I had actually, um, when I moved out here, uh, somehow somebody talked me into going to an acting class. I don't know who it was. Um, and I went, and uh, it, was, it was interesting. I, um, the first thing they had us do, uh, you know, after we learned what the class was about, was basically sit with another person in the class, and they'd give notes to one person or lines to one person and lines to another. Or basically, you have to say no to this thing, no matter what, to one person, and you have to ask this person to marry you, right? But they don't, nobody knows except for the individual and the teacher, what's been said. I had that one. That was the first one. So I have to ask this girl to marry me, and she's got to say no. First of all, I was never really into getting married, although I did find Katrina, so that got thrown out the window. But um, the emo- my point here is the emotional roller coaster that you go through being a real actor, where you, to me, being a real actor is wearing emotion as drama, drama, bleh, drama you mm-hmm. know. River Phoenix was one of those ones that did it just so well. This is the thing about acting. I can appreciate that it's, uh, like you said, there are real actors and there are people that are just kind of... Uh, Oh, you know, they have a thing on a sitcom, and that's the bandwidth of their talent. Right. And they don't need to, what's that, method act their way, like uh, Jim Carrey, who are going to do The Man in the Moon, and they become... Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that one. What's the comedian comedian in The Man in the Moon? Oh, Andy... Andy Andy Kaufman. Kaufman. Kaufman, or however you say it. Yeah. Well, yeah, where you... uh, you become crazy, really. See, this is the thing about acting. I feel like it's a craft teaching one how to lie, how to project false mm. emotions. And yeah, I, I don't want to sound like I'm highfalutin or that I'm beyond my ideals, but I really do value genuineness and honesty. And I, there's something just really distasteful about this this career path yeah. of acting or this interest that people have in acting. Acting. In fact, I'll say that David Yao is the last, probably the first, and the last actor that I will allow into my personal <laughs> life. Well, I have a, a couple of friends that are actors that you've already met, and 
But you wouldn't know. No, because they were acting like they were not actors. Yes. <laughs> oh, dude. I, I, no, and look, man, I get this is dangerous territory because I am yeah, literally in are. the fucking hive <laughs> of actors. You cannot go any, you can, yeah, yeah, you throw a stone and you will hit an actor. Well, this is, okay, so uh, we have a friend, uh, she's been friends with Katrina longer than than I've known her. And, um, but when I met her, she, I was like, God, she looks really familiar. And I have this problem. I remember faces like really well, but I've watched so much TV and I've engaged in so many different activities that I almost never remember where I know somebody from. Well, this, this girl, her name's Alexi. She's awesome. And, um, she was in this TV show called, uh, uh, new Amsterdam, but it was about a guy who, um, is immortal basically he um he came over here to to americas and fought in the first war here and got killed on sacred ground and then you know like lived apparently Mm -hmm. and so he can never die so he um the story is about him engaging in the modern new york right at the what what used to be called, I guess, New Amsterdam, right at this spot in New York City. And she was in this. She was the she was the one. That's when I met her. I was like, oh, you're the one. <laughs> she was the one that was his love interest. Now I'm trapped in your nonlinear thinking, yeah. dude. Like, yeah. there's n- going to be no structure to this podcast, dude. It's because it's coming big time now that you don't have a job, dude. I know. I can feel it, and I'm <laughs> I'm kind of excited about it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, gain control over this a little bit. I'm just gonna say do for say, it. Do for uh, it. Would you like to tell me some music that you're listening to? Oh, interestingly enough, <clears throat> I, I knew this was going to be a thing today. I listened to uh, Hayoka today. I listened to my favorite album of theirs. It's called um, Cosmic Boogie. Okay, I walked into uh, the, yeah. the little podcast studio, which uh, we, we've got to be more proactive on social media and, and take pictures of yeah. this craziness because it is yeah. it's it's pretty awesome. We can't shoot that area is. over there because my wife. No, I understand. Yeah. Well, uh, no, I understand. We get just, but uh, I walked into, I want to say the garage podcast studio. Yeah, I've been um, calling it the office lately. It's got it's been so many incarnations it started off as the garage so there's always you always i always end up saying that again but then it developed into the studio because i was painting and stuff in here and now it's the office because it's it's a garage that seems like there's a lot of collage yeah so i'm going to call it a A collage garage garage I'm going to call oh. it a galage. A galage. So we walked into the galage, and you were in the, in like the house, and I was waiting for you, and I saw the computer on, and I heard all this music playing, and I saw I, for the first time, listened to probably 60% of that record that you're talking yeah. about. And uh, there's they use synthesizer noises that, uh, I don't know, from the 80s maybe, but uh, but they yeah it's like this this it's not unpleasant but it's this like, grindy it's like yeah. those old school synthesizer noises it's like early 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 nine inch nails if nine inch nails was funk that's a good that's a good description mm-hmm. there was a there was a thing called uh, a group or a DJ or a guy named Doctor Oizo or Mister Oizo oh, from yeah. f- from France I think and he had this little yellow puppet thing. You guys can Google this, Oizo, mm-hmm. O-I-Z-O, or something like that. And uh, he just used these same sounds you're talking about. And so I, w- I like Oizo, and I like this uh, Hayoka. 
Yeah, I think, it, okay, I looked at the spelling today. It's H-E-Y-O-K-A, so Hayoka. Okay, and this was our, this was your, I made this your word two podcasts ago. Yes, yes. Uh, okay, well, we are going to have to move on. Yeah. I say we go into the word bubble, a book, a quote, or simply a word that's inflating Ooh. your brain right now. My nights were sour, spent with Schopenhauer. Uh, I'll kick in because the coffee's kicked in. Excellent. I, oh gosh, it's embarrassing how little I actually read in this stage of my life. I <laughs> did too. nothing but read, even at the expense of develop, developing a legitimate quote-unquote money-generating career in the 80s and 90s. And now I realize that I'm unemployed for the first time ever. Uh, yes, it is scary. By the way, if anyone out there is unemployed, I get it. You can personally email me, and I will talk you off the cliff that I'm actually dangling, dangling from. Right on. But, uh, and you can, if you go to Thought Bubbles podcast, you can get in touch with us through the website. Um, this is also a segue for you, to, for you to get in touch with us. And if you leave a rating, you can always throw your email address in your actual rating. I think Apple will allow you to do that. Anyway, be in touch with us. So I'm unemployed. I see uh, my wife's book collection, which pr- pretty much mimics what mine used to be before I got rid of it all. Right. And I was just like, now I can I have time to read all this stuff, but ah, I really got to get a job. So <laughs> the thing that I'm realizing is, and this has been the case my whole life, I've always had massive amounts of books, and I've always been like, yeah, I get it. I'm that. I'm gonna, that's on the list. That ah, might be fifth down on the list, but that one's on the list. No, I can't wait to read that. And then I go into the fantasy of like, well, maybe when I retire, I'll be able to read all these books, but. But I want to know that I want to have the knowledge now to carry around and actually implement in my youth. Right. So what I realized though is in the collection of all these books, even though I'm not reading them, the notion that they exist and that I can read them and that there's the possibility that I will access them gives me something to look forward to. It is a it's a bookshelf is like a subtle wallpaper of possibility. And just yeah, having the feeling of expansion, it's like this, it's like a, a a, a portal that you don't have to jump through. You just know it's there. Right. That's what I like about books and reading, even though I'm not reading any of them right now. I just wanted to make it clear, like, I actually don't have a word bubble, yeah. but I have the knowledge that it's that these things are possible to there read. There is a word bubble out there yeah, for you. Yeah, that's all I need, man, yeah. is hope. That's funny. It's funny. I was sitting over here going, oh, what's my word? What's my word? I forgot my word. I don't know. Do I have a word? And I was thinking of words I already shared. And I'm like, no, dude. But then you said, you, I realized you were talking about the whole nature of where words come from or where we find a lot of words. And um, I remember when I was a kid, I used to think that I could um, absorb a book by putting it underneath my pillow. Ah, osmosis. Yeah. I don't know why I thought that, but I think I, did, I, think I thought it because um, I had a very trippy, cool grandmother and she was a... English uh, professor. She and I also had, I've mentioned him before, kind of a weird, crazy uncle. By the way, footnote, I'm pretty certain that Scientologists believe that's possible. Yeah, it could be, yeah. Because they collage from all belief systems anyway, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, could very well be. That, that one always gets me, that whenever I hear the word Scientology, I think of uh, L. Ron Hubbard having coffee with somebody of his and saying, dude, I did it. I fucking created a religion, and people are going to do it. 
You're, you're not far from the truth there because <laughs> what I heard probably 25, 30 years ago that L. Ron Hubbard made a bet with Isaac Asimov that he could invent a religion. Oh, shit. And, that's, uh, even, that's even better. <laughs> so, so you're not far off there. We, we're both accessing the uh, collective unconsciousness. Yeah, what do they call that? No, the uh, collective unconscious. Why do I keep fucking that up? Calling it the unconsciousness instead of unconscious? Yeah, and then I, I call it the collective unconscious. Yeah. You know, like the Con- conscience and consciousness get mixed, mixed a lot. Not with us. Yeah, true. Maybe a Freudian, ha yeah. a Jungian slip. <laughs> but I do hear people out in the world when they're like, yeah, you know, I just felt like it violated my my consciousness. No, you mean your conscience, don't you? Yeah. Th- that always, that conversation always goes well, especially when I have an attitude of elitism when it comes right. to the words that you're using. Right. Uh, but anyway, Where, I digress uh, because of your fucking uh, caffeine. Yeah. Your nonlinear caffeine. Ow! I'm going to propose something. That we actually, in the spirit of keeping it up, hmm. that we skip what's bugging you. Unless you have something that you really would like to chat about. No, you know, the thing about what's bugging me is... Um, oh, should I do yeah. the intro to the bugging you? Sure, yeah. Let's okay, do it. Let's so we're going to do the what's bugging you, something that's bursting your bubble. Actually, only Gary's going to go. Yeah. Because I'm not doing much. He's not doing much. No, I'm staying high. I'm staying high. <laughs> All right, here we go. Thought bubble, let's burst in your burst in yeah. The bugging you, bugging you, bursting bubble. bubble it's the bugging you. I've been bugging me lately. Weirdness. So like I have, I think I've mentioned before that I'm that I am in therapy. I love saying that. I feel like if you live in Hollywood or if you live in Los Angeles and you do anything that more than your friends and family can hear or see, mm-hmm. that you have to have a therapist. If you don't have a headshot, you better be in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do I have headshots? I take at least 20 a day. Dude, then you don't need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, <clears throat> Wait, well, one more thing. Yeah. One more cynical commentary I can make. Excellent. If you are in acting class, that replaces therapy sessions. Totally for, I, sh- totally but, for sure. With, with like, oh, totes. <laughs> but unfortunately, the acting class makes you more crazy in my opinion mm, could yeah. be yeah. oh the enemies yeah. i'm creating in this yeah. podcast no but good actors will be like oh yeah i oh, get that, it that yeah. guy gets it yeah <laughs> but they're actually pretending that i get it so that i'll shut my mouth well, and i feel appeased and walk away see, satisfied like oh you know he's not so bad those actors are pretty smart <laughs> that's that pretend word again see pretend, you i have the issue with pretend pretend is like for for amateurs I'm going to pretend. Like we talked about this when it came to self-help. But pretending, you're, you're speaking specifically pretending versus acting, right? Pretending versus acting versus... Uh, the word pretend yeah. used in the way to describe either acting or trying wearing something that you don't necessarily believe in, like a mantra, or trying a new way of, of uh, being, you know, and you don't really feel that way, so you pretend that you're that kind of person or you... So um, pretend applies to navigating real life. And you're yes. saying that acting is, no, I'm specifically going into this arena where it's looked at as a craft and people expect me to do it. So I'm going to, I don't. So they don't pretend. Well, an actor yeah. that pretends wouldn't yeah. be very good. An actor that gets into their imagination and gets out of who they are, that would be really good. Have you seen an actor on film or TV that you think is pretending and not acting? Um, <laughs> most. Most, right. I would say, any commer- almost any commercial, except for oh, the yeah. except for the guy who did uh, a, a zoo, was it a Zuzu, and then the guy who did uh, years ago, and the guy who did. Wait, so they're really talking fast. The guy yeah. was really talking fast. 
And then and there was a guy who did another one who was really funny. He was on Book Soup or something. Or not Book Soup. Soup. I don't know. He was funny. So, yeah, I, I take your meaning pretend versus acting. Right. So I think, though, that the actors in this town forget, wait a minute, I'm not on set. Wait a minute, I'm not at class. The, the, their bullshit, mm. what I call the, the... The bullshit meter? Their fine line of acting and pretending mm. dissipates. And when they say go to the Whole Foods or they go out on a right. date, they forget that they're not in a fucking acting class. So the other day, playing to this, the other day uh, Katrina and I stopped at uh, uh, Follow Your... No, at um, Cafe Gratitude. Right. And she got up to go to the restroom. I heard this... Two, these two people, I thought they were a couple at first, but these two people, a man and a woman, having a conversation at the table right next to me. And if you've ever been to the Larchmont Cafe Gratitude, the seats are super close. So, By the way, for our listeners, we've referenced this place several times in podcasts. And this is a cafe where the dishes say, to my memory, there's something like this. A dish will be titled, not like fish and chips. It'll be like, right. I am pl- the flow of the universe. Or another thing would be like, they just name their dishes positive affirmations. Like coffee, I think, is alive or... So you'll say, I, I'll have an I am alive? Right. I, yeah, you, you, you can say it however you want because they also put coffee underneath it. Oh, okay. But when they repeat it back to you, it says, oh, I am alive. You and ordered the I am alive. And so ju- you heard a conversation when you were at this place. Yes. I just want to make the listeners aware and was, we reference this place a lot. I was listening to the conversation, and it sounded... So forced. It sounded just weird that they were like, I was like, do these people know each other? And then I listened a little bit more because, you know, I do this wherever I go. I like to, <laughs> I eavesdrop because I've always wanted to be a spy. Anyways, and I realized in that moment that, because I've had a lot of actor friends since I've been here, I realized in that moment that they were running lines past each other in public. Oh my God! So I'm imagine so glad I wasn't there. So imagine if you were—they didn't have the papers out or nothing. They were just doing it as a real conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, if anybody heard that besides me, they might actually have thought that was real. Maybe mm-hmm. not. I don't know. But it—it it dawned on me that the actors might be doing that when you're out and about and you run into an actor, even a friend of yours. You know, they yeah. might be running lines with somebody because sometimes I run into my actor friends and it's a little bit weird. I should probably cease any further commentary on this <laughs> on this topic because I, I that's the best path for me right now. I see. Because you know, you are a very open person. Way uh I would say that you're way more open than I am because I have such firm opinions on things. And um, and uh, and a lot of times I actually think that my brain needs to construct an opinion or it needs to process right. in such a way because it enjoys taking a concept and finding language that best suits it, almost like a puzzle. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times I have very visceral reactions to things. My mind goes, this is a puzzle to figure out. Think of a way to articulate this and then spew that shit out as fast as you can because it's like a relay race <laughs> of the mind. Yeah. And with acting... Uh, Interesting. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but uh, it, it, look, it's all about one's experiences. When yeah. I moved to Los Angeles, I knew nothing about people who acted. Mm. And then I found out, I remember saying when Ronald Reagan was president, even though I was very young, I remember going, uh, that guy was an actor. Yeah. Why are you voting for totally. him? He's pretending. <laughs> he can now deliver lines. He was pretending. 
In my definition well, of pretend, he was absolutely pretending. When an actor is handed words, one thing that they've focused on, whether they're good at it or bad at it, is delivering those lines in the most convincing way they can. Right. So if someone is going to do that in an effort to become president, it's impossible not to be cynical as far as I'm concerned. And right. I remember when he, was pre- <clears throat> when he became president, I remember saying shortly after that, people are going to vote for an actor as a president. You know, I wouldn't even date an actor because mm. I mm. wouldn't know what the fu- where I fucking stood. And cut to about 18 years after I said that to myself for 20 years, I got involved with an actress. Oh, boy. And How I stayed that? with her for 11 years. Oh. And it turns out she was oh, fucking acting. Jesus. Without belaboring a point, she uh, she broke up with me after she essentially inherited a million dollars. And I was just like, wait a minute, <laughs> you were acting? You, you, oh, why didn't I listen to myself? Wait a minute, I feel like I was fucking Sorry, Ronald Reagan for 12 years. Anyway, moving on. Um, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the ridiculous nature of th- what happened. Oh, you know? I can finally laugh at it too. And uh, But what I'm saying is in real time, I got a sense of how extensive the mental illness of acting, acting can ooh, be. I like it. Uh, but I don't want to... Remember yeah, yeah. about five minutes ago I said, I should probably should, yeah. stop talking about actors. You went five minutes long. In fact, let I... Me, let I, me... Go ahead. I was going to say, I think this episode might have to, have to be... The topic may have to be acting and actors because we have spent quite a bit of time <laughs> on it. Uh, it's true, yeah. You know? Well, that does play into beliefs because... For me, the belief thing, um, in order to actually accomplish something, you do have to believe that you're into it and or that you can. And that I think that has a lot to do with acting. Uh, you have to believe that you can pull this thing off. See, my, what are you believing that you can pull this thing off? Or are you trying to convince people outside of your consciousness, the people that are watching you and witnessing you behave? Mm. Are you trying to convince them? Okay, well, see, now you're talking about different, you're, you're talking about different groups within the, the world of acting. So, yes, there are people who do that, I think. There are people who, um, like Hugh, have gotten their master storytellers. They have gotten to a point where they hear everyday conversation and they could pull words from that and or tell you, just say it this way, and you now have a storyline. It creates drama without even making you be dramatic. The words are used to be dramatic. That, that's what I would say is like a manipulator type who wants to manipulate the audience. Um, but then you've got the people who, the method actors, who it's just about being that, that entity. You know, I kind of like that idea just because um, the idea of letting go of who you are, your ego, I guess, but letting go of it and taking on this other entity's ego or experience. And because when you accomplish that, there's this recognition that, wait, is the real me really me or is there another me? I mean... Are we are are we destined? Am I destined to be Gary, this this person who was shaped by his his environment to a certain to a certain level in his life, or am I malleable? Can I change at any moment? What I've learned is you can change at any moment. You can just yes, change but your what, beliefs. What's dangerous about that? Is, once again, it's it is a bit like you're the optimist, I'm the pessimist. Yeah. If you can learn to be malleable in accordance with what your desire is in order to convince the an, an external party to essentially be 
on your side or go along with you. It's a bizarre craft to develop. I guess the reason I say you're an optimist and I'm a pessimist is I understand what you're saying as an intellectual and spiritual exercise of expansion, that right. acting can provide the platform for that exploration. Right. And you can discover things about yourself that you otherwise may not have discovered. Mm. However, every actor that I have known, and I would say 90%, and I will include someone who I house sat for who was on Ali McBeal, I'll just leave it at that, and it's not her. Nice. It's not, but, but anyway, I remember being in the midst of this person, and they were getting ready for an audition. This was the early 2000s, and they were incredibly insecure about how they were pulling off falsifying yeah. an English accent. And I remember thinking, you are, you are rich. I'm in your house in Westwood. You have everything. You, don't, you could stop working to, right now. But still, was that consistent insecurity? And the reason that yeah. I bring up the insecurity f from every facet of this, of my experience with actors, is that the insecurity is the driver. And if yeah. you have the insecurity as the base driver, and from that you falsify external reality, sure. that is a fuck. That I mean, look, I wasted 12 years of my life being deluded by that but mm. not not me personally acting but being intimately involved with an actor right so that's why i'm a i'm a pessimist about it i embrace the truth that you've observed about acting mm. and how it can i can do that but unfortunately it seems maybe it's just a los angeles thing that the people that are engaging in what you're describing are not self-exploration right they're they're serving their egos sure i i, I don't disagree the thing turned me personally off of acting. I'm cool with the Gary's Farrell Farm stuff. That's different. That's not really well, and acting. I, and I did stand-up, and I would do it again if right. I ever got the notion. So, yes, we, we are essentially... Uh, I, I'm Maybe this is a sophisticated excuse, but in Gary's Farrell Farm mm. and anything that I might do publicly, including a band, I'm refining what I am right. instead of being messy about it. Right, right. So for me, it was... Um, Love that—that that was the part I have a problem with in acting. Is like, I'm here. This—the reason I'm here on this planet. This might give away a little bit of my belief system, but the whole reason I came here was to experience not unconditional love, although I have experienced that. But love between two people, like ha fall in love with somebody and it be real. And when I met Katrina, it—that's it, it, what it is. And. But before I met her, I was holding out. You know, I didn't meet her until I was 40, 39, something like that. So when I took that acting class and ironically had to propose to somebody who had to say no to me, right? The emotions that that brought up in me, I was like, okay, wait a second. I can see rather quickly that it wouldn't take me long to understand that love is a choice, right? And I was like, I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to go down the road of, go ahead. You, you know. don't want to... Love you've re you realize that love is a choice, and you don't want to go down the road of knowing that love is a choice. Because I believe in this idea that that love is um, is you know romantic. It's it's uh, it's better than you can possibly imagine. It's it's like winning the lotto in a way. You know you when you find love, it's hard to find, but once you find it, it's this beautiful thing that 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 you become one with and well maybe yeah. this is a way to combine what i think you're seeing as as disparate uh scenarios mm -hmm. so on the one hand there's the romantic notion of it uh being almost um 
let's just say it's a spiritual yeah. uh, spark. Fantastical. Yes. And then on the other hand, you realized I could choose whether or not to be. So, so and yeah. you didn't, it seems that a, uh, the acting class or in that exercise, the notion of choice seemed to dispel the magic. Because our belief systems, specifically to love, are so parallel, this is why I have to interject. Yeah. The miracle, for lack of a better term, which is the, the situation that transcends almost all the statistics of possibility, and suddenly there is this here are these two beings that meet and they uh, can unflower together or whatever. Right. They, it is is uh, magical. It yeah, is agreed. The choice is whether or not you can you choose to focus on it and grow with it. Right. Because I think that love is a rare mi- miracle, and it happens. I don't know. Some sometimes it never happens. I do know someone who has never fallen in love, never yeah. been in love. That's an eye op- opener because I've, I've been in love a few times, but there have also been people that have been in love with me and I've been like, oh shit, I can't even choose to, yeah. s- to engage in this, to, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I understand what you mean about the confusion of choice. I've been in love twice. The first time was all in my head pretty much. But if you uh, let, let's explore the, the choice yes, sorry. versus the versus the miracle. Let me ask you something crazy. Okay. Do you think you could go down the street, see somebody like, yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm a, she's attractive, and then just focus on her and no. f- turn yourself into falling in love with her? No. Yes and no. No, because no. <laughs> well, there it is. But yes, 20 years ago when I took this class, and the reason is is because when I say uh, choice, what I actually mean is when if if you were to operate acting in the way I'm talking about, which is exploring your emotions, exploring different personalities in a conscious way in order to sort of raise your consciousness or become understand these emotions better, um, what happens is, in my opinion, you let's pick something not love right now. You pick like uh, anger. Okay, so if you if you play around with anger, you find out that anger is a choice. And I don't mean it's a choice like, Oh, I'm going to be angry now. I mean, you literally, once you understand anger, never need to experience it again. And you would learn very easily how to diffuse anger in others. So let me be clear on my understanding of what you're saying. A, a love, love is an emotion. Anger is an emotion. Right. Upon experiencing that emotion, you can choose how you deal with it. Uh, how do I say This comes from what I was talking, starting to talk about earlier with therapy. In therapy, I'm dealing with um, programs that I had as a kid, and they're still running in me, but they're totally useless. So it's a, it's a portion of me that gets upset for a reason that's um, childish in a way, or was, I shouldn't say childish, it was a big deal to me as a child because I was bullied. So I act a certain way, but now it's useless to me to act that way. So I'm trying to not act that way as a result of uh, what's it called? Uh, reaction. We all react. And when we react to something, we, we think it's real. That's why we're reacting. But if you look at it and wear it, my favorite, I used to think this was the silliest thing I ever heard. Feel the fear and do it anyway. I always thought oh. that was ridiculous. But it's really not that ridiculous. <laughs> um, because the point is, let's say with fear, you sit next to it and you look at, okay, so I'm fearful of this I'm fearful of getting on an airplane. What does that come from? And you sit with it and you, you let it, as it comes up, 
you you try and not everybody can do this the first or second time but you try to observe what your body's doing what you're thinking how you're acting and this type of stuff i propose that acting the real good ones do this kind of thing when they act they look at emotions they look at themselves in everyday life they look at other people they wear different uh, emotions or characters so what I was thinking in that class, at, well, after it, was, okay, so, like, love is the thing I'm looking for. And if there's some way, if I, if I go far enough with this love thing, I'm going to turn love into something that I understand as a choice instead of this thing that is real. Now, of course, I do hear myself saying that now, and I'm like, wow, interesting, dude, because you don't feel that way about love at all. Maybe I was young back then and foolish. You don't feel what characteristic about love? I don't feel like love could ever be a choice. I think it has to be a desire or like a, you can't help but be in love. And I don't mean the kind, you know, where you fall in love with somebody because their lips are pretty or because they're wearing a nice dress or they're wearing nice pants or whatever. I mean, like you are around this person and they just... Well, take um, love just for the thought experiment of it, out of the realm of the romantic love and think about the family members that you love <clears> and the the uh, the way that love is implemented or the way yeah. we feel, perceive that love. Once again, I don't see it as a choice. I, f- I feel that how you react to that love is the only choice that you have. Interesting, yeah. Wow, there's 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 another topic we could go on for. Well, this podcast is not about belief; it's about acting. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and we are gonna (laughs) probably lose. I was gonna say half of our audience because of my my perceptions that I've expressed, but you are expressing the optimistic, thoughtful path that actors might take to enhance who they are, and I think that they're just learning how to be better liars. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say we were going to lose half of our audience, but we're only going to lose 25% because yeah. half of them are going to be like, yeah, Gary's, Gary's right. I'm not talking about all the actors. Yeah. They're, Gary's, Gary's nailed, got our Gary's back. nailed it and got our back. <laughs> and that dickhead, well, I don't remember his name, he can go pretend to have some friends and an audience. <laughs> um, Okay, so we've covered the big bubble that we didn't really realize was going to be the big bubble, which is acting and not belief. So it really leaves us only one other topic, and that is uh, the love bubble, which is something that makes you feel like you are floating. So let's begin that now. Well, I can tell you uh, from the last episode and for this episode, uh, it's still my wife. What I've noticed the most is couples we've met whose love got stronger and stronger as life moved on that's what we're experiencing it is becoming unconditional it is becoming this um this unconditional accepting love you know i like to uh, acknowledge things as they as they happen before they drift into other arenas and i think that the the love that you're describing uh, the capability that you have and uh, both of you have in your relationship is a result of two things. One is you've each had past relationships, which I think is important for people yeah. to go through. They ha- you can't just uh, for sure. Maybe you can, but uh, you can't jump in at eighteen or nineteen and think I found your life partner. I think it's important to go through different relationships and all the heartbreak that it accompanies when they eventually end, or not. 
But uh, when they do end, you can genuinely say, I've learned something and I can apply this to my next relationship. So the first thing is having experience with relationships. And the second thing, and I don't want to offend our millennial friends because I know that when an older person told me anything when I was younger, I told them, yeah, that may apply to you, but I'm different or you're an idiot or whatever. (laughs) But we're both in our late 40s. And I think there is some kind of thing that ineffably evolves the older you are and the longer you're on the planet where certain things just don't matter anymore and other things do. For and sure. it's not anything that you can plan. It's just like uh, like puberty. Your brain and your life and your being enter different stages. And I think that we're at a stage where unconditional love is an inevitability. And also, you know, back to choice, you can choose to acknowledge that that's the next level. Yep. And the and the you know the bizarre changes that your body go through, or like with the that. actors. Oh, I just totally forgot what it's called. Um, the one you were talking about, you stayed in their house, and they had this problem. Oh, insecurity. Insecurity. Thank you. Yeah, the insecurities. I see myself naked in the mirror, and the insecurity of seeing that has been replaced by disgust. So, <laughs> so you can conquer insecurity with self-disgust. Yeah, that, that's true. Because yes. that's that way you're you're doing all the things that you suspect other people might do in right. judgment, but you're doing it yourself. You're owning that yeah. judgment. That's a good one. But um. I would like to uh, go yeah. into my love bubble, which is simply, once again, I have oh, been, gosh, I was laid off uh, a few days ago. And for for the first time, I've been hit up every single day by someone at my old agency going like, hey, uh, here's a recruiter. Hey, here's a job that wow. I found. And so my love bubble is the friends, family, and work colleagues that have reacted to this layoff has been astounding to me. Wow. It has really moved me to the point where I've broken down and cried a few times. Nice. So my I love like bubble a is cry. a massive appreciation, mm. and I kind of didn't think that that was possible. Mm. I, I mean, I this this town is tough. I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna diss Los Angeles as yeah. a as an uh, well. You can't you thing, can if but, you want, but remember, you're sitting across from mm. one of the few that loves this town and thinks it's actually the greatest city on the planet. Ooh, we're gonna get some stuff on that one. We've got to do a podcast on Los Angeles, yes. even though other people that outside the city could give a shit. Yeah. Now we have to do one on beliefs. Yes. Okay? yes. This one has been about acting. Maybe we should do a few more. Maybe we should just set up every day for like th- five or six days and just talk. Would it bother you if I said I was pretending that that was a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> now you know what every interaction I've ever personally had with an actor is like. <laughs> All right. Well, that has been episode seven of the Thought Bubbles podcast, yes, which has. was... Uh, apparently on acting. Okay, Uh, until next time, people. Remember, neither of us have jobs, and we can stay happy. (laughs) One thing, and I'm going to end on a dark note. Okay. There are two people that have taught us a lesson about how impotent success and money is. Okay. Anthony Bourdain Mm. and Kate Spade. Oh, yeah. So whatever you do, if you want to live, do not become successful people. Do not. That's interesting. Oh, that's dark. All right, bye-bye. Okay, have a good one. Blowing bubbles out of the window, chewing bubble gum and blowing big bubbles. Getting, getting rid of it, all of my troubles. Watching the temples, glubber, glubber in the bottle. So bubbles getting the beans up high. Bubble gum kind of keeps my heart from getting heavy and cry.